0: morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. And I'm so glad to have you along with us today. So we get into the word of God, talk about it, pray about it and allow it to change our lives because the word of God does change our life. If you need, if you need a victor- more victorious life, a stronger life, a better life, don't neglect the word of God. It will make a difference. So join us each day and you'll see. We actually, I've down at the University of Florida this week, and uh, I'd like to take a question I heard on campus yesterday. Someone asked me. I think it's a worthwhile question. Actually, though, it's one of the simplest questions that I get asked about the Bible. However, it will lead into one of the more difficult questions I get asked about the Bible. And as I share my answer, it might surprise some of you. So stick with me for a few minutes as we answer this question. Here it is. You ready? Ready? it's a common question. How could fallible men have written an infallible book? Now the word fallible, of course, means imperfect or they can make, infallible means you can make errors. you You can be wrong. How could people who make errors and could be wrong, how could they write a book that has no errors and cannot be wrong? Now, if I could make an observation first, it's interesting to me that the people who ask this question seldom like to focus on their own fallibilities. Often people who ask this question are very quick to judge the Bible, very quick to judge Christians, and more significantly, are very quick to judge God if they believe in him. And they're a lot slower to judge their own problems, their own errors, their own fallibility. Their own, we'll call it sin. They tend to be people that um, would rather point the finger at someone else and not realize when they do that, there's those three fingers pointing back at them, if you know what I mean. They're kind of judgmental of God and of the word of God. And indeed, this is the root problem, goes way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? When the serpent challenged Eve, has God really said challenges the truth of God's word and then challenges the character of God no God knows that if you eat of this tree you'll be just like him he's trying to withhold something from you so my point being if you've got this question make sure it's an honest question and make sure that you're not using judgment of God and the Bible to avoid judging yourself the second thing I'd like to point out is I never hear this question about other books I mean, the, the, very rarely, at least, have I ever heard people challenge that their textbooks or their favorite books or even their favorite celebrity or, some, or their favorite skeptic or their favorite intellectual, someone who would agree with them. Have I ever heard, heard them saying, well, you know, I don't know how a fallible people, person could give an infallible speech or a fallible person could write an infallible book when it's writing about their stuff. That's the second thing I want to encourage you. Apply, if we apply the same standards to the Bible that we would to other books, the Bible would come out looking pretty good. Pretty good. And all these questions that people use against the Bible, they don't use them against their stuff. So keep that in mind too. Or even their professor. I don't know how many students walk out and say, boy, my professor is fallible. I don't know why he acts so, thinks that this test or this information can be infallible. Hey, it's good to be skeptical, but make sure you're skeptical of the right people. Some people are skeptical of God, but he's the one person you shouldn't be skeptical of. But my answer to the question is this, fallible people do things perfectly well all the time. I mean, I'm a fallible person. I I don't do everything right. But you know, back when I was in school, I had some tests, I got every answer right. I got a hundred percent on the test, but because I'm fallible, I didn't get a hundred percent on every test. I've written some papers without a single spelling error in them. Okay. Some of you who read my emails, you, you might be raising your eyebrows. Really? Yeah. I've written a, papers without a single spelling or grammatical error, in them, but I don't do all of them that way because I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I make errors. But that doesn't mean everything I do, everything I touch is imperfect. I can't do something right. I dial my phone number right. And you too, and certainly the writers of the Bible, were capable of doing some things perfectly well. But that doesn't mean that every single thing they ever did their entire life was done perfectly well. It's a pretty easy answer if you think about it. I bet you even, I'm sure there's nobody out there who hasn't done something perfectly well, even though there's definitely no one out there who's done everything perfectly well. So to me, this fallible and infallible question, it doesn't really, it's an easy one to answer. But it raises the question, do we really believe the Bible's infallible? And what do we mean by that as Christians? And we better be careful about this. When we talk about this topic, if the Bible is without error, we must be clear that we mean in its original writing. Why is that? Because number one, the Bible has been translated. Now, I will make the case that there's never been a book, never been a piece of literature, never been anything that's had more careful, diligent, hard work scholarship given to a proper translation than has the bible more people have worked on translating it more people they, they examine one another when you, when we have a bible translation today they're the top experts in the field are selected and they've got to if there's something of any controversy they've got to be able to persuade their committee that this is the way the word ought to be translated or the phrase or the sentence It's a very rigorous process and we can have great confidence in our Bible translations, but we also would not claim that a translation could not have an error in that translation process. It's important to understand. Okay. If you don't argue this, there probably have been some and you give, you end up defending something that's not really what we believe we believe the originals had no were infallible we don't claim the translation process has been secondly we will acknowledge that in the earlier days some of the copying process of the scriptures of the new testament mistakes were made in the copies how do we know this because some of the older copies or some, some of the copies that were and from the earliest of time, we have we, we have discovered through time numerous thousands of manuscripts dating back, say, before four hundred A.D. Now, not all of them entire Bibles, because the entire Bible wasn't even assembled together until the late fourth uh, fourth century. So, and you know, they were big long scrolls. If, if what if your Bible would have been, you know, like twenty feet thick or something, because they didn't have the the thin paper that we have in our modern Bibles. And so they weren't, they wasn't put together all in one, but but portions or books or uh, thousands of them were found. And what we have discovered is that some of the earlier ones aren't quite exactly the same as some that came uh, 100, 200 years later. We acknowledge that there could have been some copying errors that were made. The good news is As years have gone by, we have found more and more and more uh, 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 older manuscripts that allow us to come up with a more accurate, uh, what the original were. If in your Bible, in the margin, you ever see something, some of the oldest manuscripts don't have this phrase, or some of the oldest manuscripts say this, what that means is, yes, some of the older manuscripts did not have that phrase. And so what's that mean? Something could have been added. Now, usually what's added is maybe just a a sentence or something that might be a clarification. There's one place in in the gospels, for instance, where it says, you know, it says this, uh, these come out only by prayer and fasting. And you see, you know, a little footnote that the older manuscripts didn't add the word fasting. Somehow that got added. Okay, that's not really gonna change what I believe. There's nothing in there that's ever been, I don't wanna disturb anyone here. In the sense that there's nothing in there that changes anything of what we believe. And the themes of the Bible that I believe and that you believe are repeated over and over and over and over and over again. And nothing's gonna be changed by a little uh, someone adding, like for instance, a note uh, like those two words that I just gave to help bring clarity or help or, or remembering Jesus also taught about the importance of fasting and somehow it got added in. We don't know how. But there are some places like this. Now here's the problem, my friend. If you take a New Testament course in the in the university, that's all they're going to talk about. That's all they're going to focus on. All they're, they're going to spend the whole time trying to find and to point these things out. We all know about them. We've known about these for 100 years, 200 years longer. Bible scholars, this is nothing new to us. It's nothing that shakes our faith. It's nothing that shakes our confidence in the Bible. But... You take a course in the university today, and if you're not prepared and you're not aware of this translational issue and copying issue and how and how accurate it's been, but it's not been perfect, then what happens? What I call opposition research, some skept- skeptical professor will spend the whole first three weeks pointing one after another, after another, after another. And that poor kid's head spinning, and he's thinking, wow, I can't trust what the Bible. I guess it's not infallible. I guess it's all messed up. It's not. What I'm talking about here is extremely rare. It's There's very few passages like this. Very, very few. And we found them. And we pointed them out. And so it's nothing that affects what we believe. But I will say this. Be careful that what you believe is is based on its multiple teachings in the Bible. For instance, one section like this is the end of Mark 16. The last few verses may well have been a postscript that got added in by someone who was copying, and they added it in. It's not like it's bad. It's not like it's wrong, but it's a postscript. And if you even read Mark 16, it begins to read kind of like, yeah, it was th- this kind of a summary And you can see how it could have been added in. As I understand, the Greek even has some different words and language to it. But here's the thing. You know the passage about Christians handling snakes and drinking poison? Well, that's found in there. And I don't think those, personally, I I don't think those last verses were in the original writing of, of Mark. They were added in and somehow they've become part of Scripture. But we realize it wasn't in the oldest manuscripts. Now, this is the only place in the New Testament that tells us Christians are going to handle snakes and drink poison. And people ask me, you know, should you do it? Should we handle snakes? That seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Well, to me, that wasn't in there. That was added as a postscript because there were. I mean, Paul got bit by a snake, didn't die. And there were these things. There may have been people who were being uh, martyred who were being forced to drink poison or bit by snakes, and they survived. And it, and this is how it would have gotten added in. But was it part of the original scripture? Probably not. My point being, there's hardly any of that there. There's hardly any of this in the New Testament. Thousands of verses. It's, we're only talking maybe 20, 30 verses like this, and most of those in that last part of Mark. All this leads me to say, you can trust our word, the Bible, we can trust what it says, but I would be careful if there is one verse seems strange and way out of context and different than the rest of the New Testament. And it just seems odd. And it's the only verse like that. Be, just check it out and ask if this might have been one of those sections that we found out later might not have been in the original. Read the margins. It will tell you. The oldest, the oldest manuscripts would not include this. Just read that there and see. This should not shake your faith. This should keep us humble. But I'd rather me tell you this than some skeptic tell you this because he's going to put the worst spin possible. Oh, the Bible's been changed. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. We acknowledge infallibility in the original languages. We don't claim infallibility in the copying or translation. But we will say more effort, scholarship, diligence, have been, put for, have been put forth in giving us a good, accurate copy and translation than any piece of literature ever. And we can have great confidence in it. There's still a human element in these copies and translations. There's still a human element. And that is, we are fallible men. The original's perfect. Copies, pretty good. Excellent. We give them an A+, plus, but we wouldn't say, we would acknowledge the potential in that process of an error therefore whatever you believe look for is it taught over and over in the new testament and everything i believe is i don't preach anything that isn't taught consistently throughout the new testament and the bible hope this makes sense okay if not leave a question and i might deal with this further I was talking with some people. We, we'd like to begin to move some of this to some Q&A time as well. I and mean, maybe if you have some questions, we're gonna to wanna to figure out how to do that and the technology of it to be able to do some back and forth on either this live stream or maybe at another time of the, of the day or week where, where we can do some Q&A and back and forth. We'd like to do that. If you have a question, leave it here. Let me know and maybe I'll be able to address it in the future daily word and prayer, okay? Father in heaven. We do thank you that you have communicated with us. This We believe this. Lord, we believe you love us, and how could anyone who loves someone not communicate? You have reached out. You've initiated. You've shared truth with us. You've given us your word. You've chosen the holy men to, to diligently record the scriptures, to diligently write what you've shown them. Jesus, you chose your apostles and they faithfully, and then your Holy Spirit helped bring the truth, the, the bring to remembrance all that they needed to say, all that they need to write. You've given us prophets. You've given us your law. We thank you, Father, that you've used holy men like Moses and David and Isaiah, the prophets. We thank you for how you have communicated with us through people. Father, we bless you. We thank you for the treasure of your word. Lord, if we build our life upon it, we know we'll be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the storms of life came, he stood firm. His house stood firm because it was built upon the rock. You, Father, are our rock. Jesus, you are our rock. We build our life upon you. And the word you've given us is a firm foundation we can stand upon. We thank you that even though men were fallible, you used them to give us this perfect word of God. And we thank you and we bless you. Might we build our life on it? Father, might we be people who read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, and most of all, believe it and obey it. Might we be mighty men and women of God because we've overcome. We're strong because the word of God abides in us and you've made us overcomers. We bless you. And we thank you and we worship you today in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I forgot something really important when I talk about this. Let me say it quickly. To me, the amazing thing, when you ask the question, how could fallible men have written an infallible book? To me, the amazing thing is I read it. How could fallible men have written such a perfect book? That's the question people need to ask. How could fallible men, sinful men, Men with airs have written such a perfect book. Gives us prophecies of the future. It speaks to the heart of and soul of humans like nothing else ever written. How could mere men have written that book? That's the question we need to be asking. So I forgot to mention that earlier. Remember that whenever if anyone asks you this question. To know that, you got to read it. And that's what my challenge to the skeptic is or the person with an honest question. Take some time and read it take take 21 days and read the 21 chapters of the gospel of john take you only 5 minutes per chapter do it the next 3 weeks and see if god doesn't speak to you and see if it's something doesn't stand out how could fallible men how could airport how could they've written something so wonderful so beautiful so life changing so soul touching amen hey so glad to have you along we're here every morning 8:30 a.m. And so I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will be too. If you're new, join us. Subscribe, hit the notify button. Make sure you come back every day and join and be part of this. And let the word of God and the daily inspiration and encouragement from God's word and the prayer we have together, let it encourage you, build you up. We need to be strong and overcomers. We don't want to be weak Christians. We want to be powerful Christians. We got to feed our soul in the word of God. I'm glad to help you with that each day. So I hope you join me. Every morning I'm here. You can, or you can watch later. It's a, the video stay up all day. Or you can join me on the live uh, on the podcast, the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Just search for Tom the Preacher. But until we meet tomorrow, eight thirty a.m. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Hide His truth in your heart and strengthen you in His name. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.